Exodus chapter 33 tonight. Exodus and chapter number 33. In just a few moments, we're going to hand out a reflection booklet as we have in previous years for um, this past year, just looking at some things and then giving the transition to the theme and we'll give out a calendar. Uh, we, as always, we have mugs. They just are not here tonight. We'll have the mugs coming. And, um, but uh, that does not mean you have to hold off from coffee until you get the mugs. You find uh, something else and uh, make sure you, you maintain that, that practice there. But uh, we'll have those in. And so with... Um, as we mentioned in Sunday school, our themes, they're not d designed as a new practice, a new uh, philosophy. It's just taking a Bible truth and making it an emphasis that we can tangibly hang on to, point to. And, and again, it's, it's kind of like a sermon title or certain points, and, but this is just something that will be overarching for the year. And that's why we'll, we'll have it on different things but it, you find these things each year, and there's a connection with all of them, and it should be. It's like if you're reading a book of the Bible, you should find that it connects pretty good with the other books of the Bible, because it's by the same author. And, um, and so we've had the inside out thing. We can't get away from that in the Bible. We can't get away from that's how God works. And, and this year, uh, we're going to emphasize the, the aspect of experiencing God. And we want that to be the theme. I've, I've been mentioning it for a long time, and so I use the phrase, and so therefore, well, we'll just make it the, the theme. And, and this matter of experiencing God is what God created us for. It's what God saved us for. And in experiencing God, we want it to differentiate just as we have uh, from Boy, the keys, y'all just packed out that pew there, haven't you? We, we, you're kind of handy there, Brother Scott. You should just add an extra seat or two there on that side. But I'm glad they included you in that. <laughs> Only man in that pew there. <laughs> uh, but experiencing God. <laughs> um, we, we say it all the time. We, we, we're, we're about relationship, not religion. And, and this is where the... The, the dividing is between those two concepts. And so we're going to uh, emphasize this matter of experiencing God in our heart, personally, as well as in our home. Regardless of whether you're, you're single, you're married, you're, you're um, a grandparent, you're, you're childless, uh, everyone who's alive has a heart, has a home, and those two things will help gauge as to where we are in experiencing God and what that is about. And then we will have our Sunday school series that we're starting off. It is going to be entitled Experiencing God. We're using the book by Henry Blackaby, who's now in heaven. His son, Richard, also helped with that. His son, I think Richard's in the Atlanta area, and, um, but he wrote a book entitled Experiencing God. And it's a, it's a great help. It's a, uh, you'll find a lot of 
Um, you can find a lot of people that attack it because there are a lot of people that do not believe you can know God experientially. They just want to know Him in an objective way. And what you get out of that is just dry, stale, uh, lifeless Christianity. And uh, I think Henry Blackaby did a great job. He believed revival, preached for revival, experienced revival. And it'll be a great help. And we'll be starting that. We'll have a combined Sunday School series next Sunday. And then we will continue that. Um, I'll start that off. And then we'll continue that at the table. And it'll be a, a great journey. Just as change into his image was hitting the same dynamic, a different writer, different wording, same concept. Experiencing God will be doing the same. And, and I... And I, I I'm looking forward to what the Lord will do in my life and in my family, and I trust in your life as well. You'll be able to experience God in a deeper way, in a greater way than ever before. And there's no reason not to experience more of God this year, intimately, than any other year. Um, that's, that's just the nature of our God. That's the nature of the book that He's given to us. And the nature of the fact he gave us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And so um, we will we'll be able to enjoy the newness of it. And we'll be able to experience the getting into the, the parts maybe of um, I've got questions, maybe more questions than answers. And maybe the frustration that's going to come with uh, trying to experience God but the flesh. Well, you know, the flesh never did get saved. It never is going to improve. Um, and so that's why the dynamics, why we've gone the route of understanding spiritual warfare and then going through the book of Galatians so that we can be free from the, the aspect of, of um, meritorious mindset, legalism, trying to do, and then free from a licensed mindset and be able to experience liberty because the flesh is not the way to do it. And so I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. We'll have the books available, and you can get the books in the, in the lobby. I encourage you to get the books. You'll get a couple weeks into it, and you can just start reading. If, if you're going to benefit from the Bible fellowship time, you're going to have to uh, get into the, the books and be able to read that, or you're, you're not going to get quite as much out of it. Easy to read. I think it'll be a great help. Exodus chapter 33 and uh, we're going to look at this matter from a, a picture, a picture that is from one who wanted to experience God and wanted to know God. And um, in chapter 33, let's go ahead and stand. We'll read these first few verses. Let's, let's look at verse number 13. This is Moses, and he says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he, God, said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Moses was praying the same thing that the Apostle Paul was praying. The same thing that, that when Paul said that I may know him, the same thing that we're talking about. We want to know God. 
We want to experience God. In fact, we have our, our theme slide. Brother Cherry, you can put that up there since we've transitioned into experiencing God. And that's what Moses is saying. I want to know God. I want to experience the reality of God. I just mentioned a few things about this, and uh, then we'll get into the materials that we have available tonight. Thank you. Please be seated. Said in the last few messages, um, it's one thing to know about God and to know His works, and it's quite another thing to know His ways. In verse number 13, Moses is praying. He says, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. I, I, I would highlight that. I would emphasize that. I think it's very significant. Show me thy way. The way to know God intimately is to know God's ways. Moses said, I want to know you, so show me your ways. Now with that in mind, over in Psalm 103, you can jot it down in verse number 7. I want to read this to you. He says, he, that is God, made known, listen, his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Moses prayed, I want to know you. Show me your ways. Psalm 103 verse 7 says that God made known his ways to Moses. What did Moses pray? I want to know you. Show me your way. And his prayer was answered. And I think you pray that before God. God will answer that for you as well. God wants to show you his ways. He wants you to know him. Now, the study of theology, it can show you the works of God. And there's a great importance in knowing the works of God. But it's communion with God that helps you know His ways. To know God intimately. To know God personally. Someone asked not long ago, does God have favorites? You know, we've got, I mentioned Wednesday night. Uh, the John 21 passage, the disciple whom Jesus loved, referring to John. Does God have favorites? I don't believe that God has favorites, but I do believe that God has intimates. And people are as close to God as they want to be. And you'll never know, in my estimation, the stability and the victory without knowing the Lord Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit intimately. God wants you to know him intimately. As a matter of fact, salvation is spoken of as the most intimate relationship that beings can have together. And it's not the end, as we've said, it's the beginning. And if you only know God's works, but you don't know God's ways, it's like being infatuated, but not being in love with your spouse. Many people, they're infatuated with God, but they're not in love with him. God's people, Moses, Moses had the experience of the burning bush incident. He had the Red Sea experience, the water gushing from the rock. He'd eaten bread from heaven, and all of that was yesterday's news to him. Moses, however, wanted a fresh 
deeper, intimate knowledge of God. So Moses said, again, verse 13, teach me your ways. He wasn't satisfied to nibble on the appetizer and to sample the soup that God had. He wanted to feast on all that the Lord had to offer. He wanted to experience God. God doesn't want mere churchgoers. He wants people who are hungry and thirsty to know him. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, one of the first things he said to his disciples there in the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, it's the meaning of eternal life. Salvation, eternal life, what's the point in it? John 17 verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ. So to be saved and not have a deeper, intimate relationship with God is missing the whole point of your salvation. Let me mention a few things that knowing God intimately will do for you. Go back to verse 14. In chapter 33 and verse number 14, And God said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Rest. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. He's not talking about the kind of rest that comes from lying in a hammock or sitting out in a lounge chair trying to regain your strength, but rather he's talking about the kind of peace and serenity that the Lord Jesus experienced when there's a storm and he's in a boat and he's asleep while everyone else is panicking. See, when you know the ways of God and you experience God, you can have serenity down deep in your soul. And Jesus taught in the upper room, he said, it's my peace that I leave with you, my peace that I give. The world can't give it, the world can't take it away. You know God intimately, you experience God, and you can see peace, serenity. You don't have any control over what's going to happen on the outside. We've been blessed living here in America. We've been blessed to have the kind of freedom that we have, even though we can see encroachment upon our liberties and even religious liberties. But the truth is, we're not having to hide in, in, in an underground church. We're not having to fear necessarily. No one probably thinks about it from Sunday to Sunday. Is this the service where somebody's going to storm the auditorium and take us hostage because we are worshiping God? That's not happened to us. But while we could not control the outside, we certainly can control the inside and we can choose to experience God and experience the rest and the serenity like a Stephen when he's being stoned. The Bible says he's filled with the Spirit of God and his inside out activity caused Jesus Christ to stand at his home going. Man, what a way to go, knowing God. You see, Israel saw God's works. There's a difference between what Israel experienced and what Moses experienced. It's a good idea for the people to have followed their leader but they didn't quite do that. They saw the works of God. They liked the works of God. I like the works of God. But they, God's people, they didn't know the ways of God. And therefore, the people of Israel, they never did have serenity. They never had rest. 
See, when God brought the Jews to the Red Sea, God opened up that super highway through the Red Sea and the Jews went through on dry ground. He didn't, they didn't even come through on wet ground. It wasn't soggy. Their feet were dry. It was an amazing work of God. But they didn't know the ways of God. They had no real serenity because of that. You remember over in Hebrews 3, how the writer of Hebrews talks about entering into his rest. I used to think, because I heard it, no doubt, that Hebrews 3 and going into chapter number 4, um, talking about the rest of God, was talking about going to heaven. Well, that's not heaven. Because you don't have to fight any battles to get to heaven. No, it's a gift. That rest that God has for his people. And that's the same concept that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Where he says, neither eye hath seen nor ear heard all that God has prepared for them that love him. And I've heard that being spoken of concerning heaven. That's not heaven. That's the normal Christian life of God's people in the victorious realm of spirit filled. Not I, but Christ. That's the serenity, that's the peace, that's the rest that comes. It's just that too often Christians live regularly defeated and they live in struggle theology and they're shocked by any glimpse of victory, but that's not God's norm. God's norm is that we enter into rest as his people and we experience victory. Well, how does that happen? Move beyond just wanting to see his works. Crave to know his ways. It's important because there you're going to find the difference between the acts of God and the ways of God. And, um, and so Hebrews 3 is, a, is another going right along with this, which can help if you want to do further reading. And you're going to get your theology from what God does. And, and, and you want to be able to, to look and see the things, the miracles. We want to see miracles. We want to be familiar with the works of God. But don't get your eyes on just the works and settle for the works. Long to know His ways. What else can you benefit from when you intimately experience God? Well, another thing is you're going to experience consistency. Stability. You're going to experience being steadfast. Not only will knowing God intimately give, give you peace and serenity, it'll give you some stability. There are a lot of people who've only seen God's works. They know about God, but they don't really know God. And they're unstable. Uh, confidence in an, an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let's go back to when God opened up the Red Sea and let the Jews go through on dry ground. There was old Pharaoh behind them, the sea before them, and mountains on every side, they're closed in. 
And then God at the last moment opens up the Red Sea. They go through, they turn around, they see the waters piling in upon those Egyptians who had threatened them for all oh, so long. On the other side, once they got to the other side, the people of Israel, they began to sing. I believe one of the first recorded songs in all of scripture, and it was the song of victory, the song of Moses and of the lamb, Moses and the lamb. I'm telling you, Moses was the man of the year. And he made it on Israel Today's front page and his polls were very high and he was, uh, they were singing his song. He was the hero of the year. But in just three days, just three days, just three days, they're out in the wilderness, they can't find water. And someone stopped playing the, the record of Moses. And they begin to complain, hey, Moses, weren't there any graves over there in Egypt? Bunch of smart Alex. I don't even respond to those texts. If we're going to die, why didn't you just lead us uh, into a, a better place in Egypt than having to go through this fiasco? Moses, can't you read a map? What is all of this? In just three days, Moses had gone from hero to zero in three days. Well, why? Because God's people were just infatuated. I mean, they were three days into the honeymoon. They wanted to go home to mama because it wasn't exactly what they thought it would be. It's just infatuation. All they saw when they were shouting and leaping and dancing, all the, when they were singing the, the song of the Lamb and Moses, all they could see was the works of God. Look what we've got. We've got a God that can open up the Red Sea. When we get out in the wilderness, you know what was happening? God was going to prove them. And he said so. The Bible says God was going to test them. You know, God knew exactly what he was doing. Did you know that? God knew exactly what he was doing. Many times God gives the test first and then he gives you the lesson afterward. That's what he was doing. And God was testing them and they failed the test miserably. Because you see, they were not stable. Why were they not stable? Because they didn't experience the ways of God. A person who doesn't know God intimately will not have serenity, not have stability. They knew his works. They, they said, sign me up for more of God's works. But they didn't know his ways seen this many times in churches. You take a church sometimes when God is blessing the church, it seems like they have a week and they celebrate Jesus. Souls are saved. Crowds are, are, are swelling. Offerings are there. And you just take a normal church and you, you let them see the works of God, the miracles of God. But then you just have a little bit of a setback. And you think, well, I don't even know if these are saved people in the first place the way they're responding. They're all down in the dumps. They act like maybe God died. Somebody should inform them God's still alive. Why? It's just, they're just unstable. There are a couple of examples in the Bible. I'm not going to give those to you, but I want to remind you in John chapter 2, as well as John chapter number 6, having to do with the miracles. And how people, multitudes followed Jesus. They got intrigued because of the works and the miracles. But you know why they left? Why the multitude of disciples left Jesus in John 6? Because they didn't understand his ways. 
In fact, they tried to use the excuse that what Jesus was teaching was just too deep. It's too hard. Well, the truth is, they just didn't know God intimately. They didn't have an experience with God. And there's a difference between panicking and peace. When you know the ways of God, it gives you stability. If you know the words of God, you're going to be uh, just constantly confused if that's all you see are just words on pages. If all you know is just the works of what he can do, but you don't get acquainted and you don't find and experience in personal uh, intimacy his ways, you're going to forfeit that peace and serenity. You're going to forfeit the, the stability. But there's a, another area. And when you know God intimately, you're going to find sufficiency in God. Sufficiency in God. You will never, ever have the deepest need of your heart and your life met until you know God intimately. You can get pay raises. You can get job uh, elevations and promotions. You can have a change in relationship, but none of it will bring about satisfaction and sufficiency of your soul because God made you that way until you know him intimately. Go back to chapter 33 here, or you're probably still there. Look at verse 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt into the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And notice verse 2. And I will send an angel before thee and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people. Lest I consume thee in the way. Remember what happened? Moses had gone up on Mount Sinai. He got the Ten Commandments. When he came down from Mount Sinai, he found that Aaron had led the people into idolatrous worship. Aaron had made a golden calf. The people got drunk. They'd taken off their clothes. They're dancing around naked around a golden calf. The first CCM concert there in the Bible. And the Bible tells us God's angry. Um, Moses, however, begins to intercede. Now, what did God say? As a result of this, what was God's response? God said, all right, I promised to give you a land. I promised the land of Canaan. So go ahead, he said in those verses we just read, verse 2, go ahead, go into the land, and I'm going to send a mighty angel with you, and he's going to drive out those Canaanites. But, did you notice what else he said? I'm not going with you. Because if I went with you, I'd probably turn around and slap you. I'd destroy you, is what he's saying. I would destroy you because of the way you've been living. So you just go on. You go on and have the land, but you won't have me. 
Now notice again in verse 15. Let's jump back over there. Let's keep it together. In verse 15, or verse 14, Moses is praying, uh, verse, verse 13 rather, Moses is praying. Verse 15, God says, my presence shall go with thee. I will give thee rest. Verse 15, and he said unto him, uh, um, Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. God had said, you can go. I'll give you a personal angel escort. I will give you provision. You're going into the land. I'm going to give you protection. You're going to have provision. You'll have protection. But here's what you won't have. You're not going to have my presence. Moses said, I don't want your provision. I don't want your protection. Moses said, I want your presence. Moses said, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. He's saying, God, don't send us. Go with us. Moses was wise enough to know that it would be hollow and empty without God. Did you know that there are many people I think would settle for God's protection and provision and not miss anything with not having God's presence? Many people, they just don't care that much about God's presence. I'll give you an example. The average Baptist, I believe, loves the doctrine of eternal security. It's a good doctrine. By the way, uh, I said Baptist um, because a lot of people call it a Baptist doctrine. It's not a Baptist doctrine, it's a Bible doctrine. But I don't necessarily mind it being called a Baptist doctrine because Baptist means Bible. It's the same thing. But there's a lot of folks who say, whoo, I'm heaven born, heaven bound, child of God, washed in the blood. Nothing can take me away from God. I've got protection. I've got provision. I'm going to heaven. But how many of those same people who believe in eternal security really want to know God intimately? They just simply say, oh, yes, well, that's fine. God, you're going to carry me on my heavenly escort into Canaan land. You're going to send that angel escort. You're going to get me there. But do they really long to know God, to have intimate worship, intimate relationship with God? There are many people who are enjoying eternal security who are not walking in victory and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That tells me something. It tells me you may right now be having protection. It tells me right now you might be experiencing God's provision. But that also tells me that you can experience God's protection and God's provision and still not be right with God. Think about it. You say, well, I must be right with God. Just look how he's blessing me. I must be right with God. The devil has not been able to get to me. Well, these folks had an angel escort. They had that offered to them. And God says, I'm going to give you the land. That's provision. He says, the angels are going to drive out your adversaries. There's protection. But my presence is not going to go with you. Does that bother you? Does that bother you that some of you may be enjoying eternal security and not enjoying the purpose of your eternal security? You might have provision, you might have protection and still be missing the best of all, his presence. 
You see, you only have true sufficiency when you know God intimately. Don't ever mistake the provision and the protection for his presence. Why, even an unbeliever can have provision. Matthew 5, 45 tells us God makes it rain upon the just and the unjust. Do you know that the unsaved, the, the blasphemer in Covington tonight, still breathing the same air that God made for, for us? They have food, they have provision, but it doesn't mean that they're experiencing the presence of God. Moses said, I'm not going to take that deal, God. Moses said, look, God, if you don't go, I'm not settling for an angel. I'm not going to settle for a blessing. I don't want the blessing without the blesser. I don't want the land without the Lord. You're my serenity. You're my security. You're my sufficiency. And Psalm, and I think that's what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, when he says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon the earth that I desired beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Moses is simply saying, Lord, I want you. I need you. You know, there are people who have other things, but they don't have God. People live in a prison somewhat of, of prosperity and a prison of, of, of reveling in God's protection, but they don't know how to rejoice in His presence. Why? Well, for many, it's because they've not dealt with sin. You can't get intimate with God and be holding on to what put Him on the cross. We need to come clean. Getting clean is not the end, it's the beginning. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, we are reminded, My thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. In other words, life is not a puzzle to be solved. I, I just can't figure God out. Life is not a puzzle to be solved. Life is actually a mystery to be lived. And you do so not by figuring God out, but you do so by trusting and obeying, knowing God intimately and experiencing being a branch for God and a channel, a conduit for God to do what He wants to do. You see... There are many that are forfeiting intimacy with God. And the reason there's no blessing in many people's lives, the blessing of God's presence, is because there's simply no obedience. There's no obedience because there's no trust. There's no trust because there's no love. There's no love because there's no intimacy. If all you see are the works of God, then you don't have intimacy with God. But when you know the ways of God, to know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to trust Him. To trust Him is to obey Him. To obey Him is to be blessed. Let's stand together, please.